3: Hey Slider Crusaders, America's the greatest country in the world. Welcome to our newest special, the Trump Trials. Today we're going to talk about all the Trump indictments so that we can all be completely up to speed on every aspect of the witch hunt. Plural witch hunts. By the end of this special, you will know mo- more than anybody you know about all this. You'll know more than most people on TV who comment on this stuff every day who either haven't read them or who have no legal background or context to make sense of them. Trump is facing 717 years in prison based off a grouping of four indictments. The first is out of New York City, the Stormy Daniels Hush Money case. The second is the classified documents in Mar-a-Lago The third is the January 6th insurrection. In that case, he's actually, he's technically facing the death penalty. One of the charges, uh, conspiracy against rights, if someone dies in the committing of that crime, then that person is eligible to the death penalty. And Ashley Babbitt uh, died on January 6th. So technically he's facing the death penalty in that one. And then the latest, and if I had to pick The most ridiculous of the four, they're all pretty ridiculous, so it's hard to say exactly. I think it's the Georgia one. I think that's the most ridiculous. Uh, That's the one that we got the mugshot. We're going to go over all of these coming up again. You'll know more than anyone you know about any of it. But first, why are they going after Trump? We need to know this. We need to know the root of this. There's a couple reasons. The root of it is they will never forgive him for beating their girl, Hillary Clinton. They were going to make history. Do you remember this tweet? This was two weeks before the election. Hillary's campaign sent out this tweet saying, Happy birthday to the next president of the United States. How sweet. And they had it in the bag. This is where Hillary Clinton had her big victory party planned in New York City. Do you notice anything about that building in New York City? Here's a picture of the... Inside of this building. Huh. That is New York City's largest glass ceiling. And they were going to break it. And they had it in the bag. And they lost it to the orange man? Are you kidding me? And they decided from that point forward to destroy his life and the lives of anyone who ever supported him. And it's so bizarre because the Democrats could have made deals with Trump, and they could have done pretty well for themselves in this country. But instead, they went insane, and they lost their minds, and they'll never forgive him for it. So here we are now, eight years later, coming up to 2024. A sane person would say, you know what? That was crazy. We don't like Trump, but let's let the people decide. We think he's terrible, and I think we're in a. Most people agree with me that he's awful. So let's. Let's have a vote. Let's pick a day and we'll let everyone vote on who they think should be the president and then we'll decide that way if he should be president. No, they'll never do that. They will not stop until they lock him up. Do you remember that chant? Lock, it wasn't lock him, it was lock her up during his rallies. Do you remember that? Here's one example.
1: Honestly, she should be locked up. Should be.
3: Should be locked up. All right, do you remember that? That was at every rally. People would chant, lock her up. And the left just, oh, oh I can't believe that they would do that. It's so horrific. so unpresidential. It's terrible. So then Trump wins. And he was asked, are you going to pursue criminal charges against Hillary Clinton? Are you going to lock her up? And he said, no. Why? He said, it's just not something I feel very strongly about. And they said, but your supporters are going to be so upset at you. He said, I don't think they'll be disappointed. This is a quote. He said, I will explain it, that we in many ways will save our country. It would be a criminal investigation against a political opponent, he said, would be, quote, very, very divisive for the country. And then he said he didn't want to hurt the Clintons. He said the Clintons have been through enough. He said, I'm not looking to go back and go through this. But think of that. He said it would be divisive in our country to pursue criminal charges against a political opponent. This is the man that the media kept calling Hitler and a dictator and a tyrant and a terrorist and now an insurrectionist facing 717 years, the worst person on the planet. But he didn't lock her now they won't stop until they lock him up. But this is even deeper than partisan politics. Deeper. They want him to never step foot in the White House again because he was against permanent Washington, often called the deep state. Listen to this clip from Chuck Schumer, January 3rd, 2017, very early on in the Trump presidency. Shots! This antagonism
2: yep. is taunting to the intelligence Let me tell community.
1: You, you take on the intelligence community; they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So, even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this.
3: What do you think the intelligence community would do if they were? I don't know, to? but
1: I, from what I am told, they are very upset mm-hmm. with how he has treated them and talked about them. And we need the intelligence community. We don't know what's. going Look at the Russian hacking. Without the intelligence community, we wouldn't have uh, discovered it. Do and you we... think
3: he has an agenda to try to dismantle parts of the intelligence community? I mean, this form of taunting hostility. Let me you, hostility... whether
1: you're a super liberal Democrat or a very conservative Republican, you should be against dismantling the intelligence community.
3: Wow, oh, that's amazing There was no Russian hacking. They are very upset. They, who's they? The intelligence community, they're very upset. Well, who cares? Well, they have six ways to Sunday at getting back at you. Who? The president? The CIA is supposed to, like, they go out. Now the CIA has turned in and got Trump. Amazing. They are very upset. These people decided on November 8th, 2016, I guess the day after the election, so the night, to destroy him and his legacy, Until it's it's the last thing they do. And do not think that they will stop with Trump. They will do this to every Republican who gets too close to winning. If DeSantis or whoever gets close to winning any other election in the future, whoever it is, doesn't matter. It could be 30 years from now. They will say that this guy is worse than Trump. They'll rewrite the history books and say, well, Trump actually wasn't that bad. This guy, though, he actually believes all of this stuff. And the new plan is not to win on policy, but to throw opponents in jail, don't think that can happen? You don't think that can, of course it can. It'll be you. You've committed some crime today. You're driving today, you tailgated the guy in front of you. You know you're supposed to say, for every 10 miles per hour you're driving, you're supposed to say one car length behind the person in front of you. So if you're driving 40 miles an hour, you're supposed to say four car lengths behind the person, no one does that. So you've tailgated today, you, whatever, you ripped the tag off your mattress last year, you missed something on your taxes four years ago. You did something that should be criminally investigated. That's the new game plan. Trump's just the first, but he will not be the last. And it won't just be people running for office. It'll be people who support them as well. It'll be you. You're the enabler. You're the the enabler of a tyrant. You'll be swept up into RICO charges as well. The leader of the Proud Boys is now in jail for 22 years. He's in prison for 22 years. He wasn't even in D.C. on January 6th. He was in Baltimore. And he's in jail for 22 years. You don't think they... Will come after you. They have six ways till Sunday. One final point on the mugshot, then we'll get to our wonderful guests. Here's Donald Trump reacting to the mugshot.
1: Is there anyone on the planet that doesn't know what I look like? I wish there were some people like that. That'd be very nice for me. And yet for some reason, the communist Democrats in Atlanta made a mugshot of me. That's a mugshot because I said the election was rigged, and I believe it more strongly than ever. It was a rigged election. We all know why, and we know what they're doing, and we certainly get it. But I know I'm your favorite president, and they make me look like a criminal, but it completely and totally backfired, as you probably read. Since my mugshot was released, our campaign has raised over $10 million. The people get it. The people know this is a sham and a scam. This is nothing but election interference. They want to interfere with our election so they can try and damage me with all these lawsuits that you see flying all over the place. But it's election interference is orchestrated by crooked Joe Biden, the worst president in the history of our country, along with the deep state. And on November 5th, 2024, it's going to backfire again when we win back the White House and make America great again. I just want to thank you for your tremendous support. And here it is. If you want to go out and get it, you can go out and get it. Have fun with it. But people do like it, I must say. Thank you very much.
3: (laughs) Have fun with it. The goal of the mugshot, the goal was to humiliate Trump. Theodore Dalrymple, he said, the main purpose of communist propaganda is not to persuade or convince or inform, but to humiliate. That's what they And here's the deal. The greater the lie... That a communist or whoever tells, the more absurd, the better. Because if they can get you to repeat absurdity, then they can get you to say anything. So the goal of the mugshot was to humiliate him and humiliate you. There's no reason to mugshot the most famous person ever. You could show a picture of Donald Trump to a person in a tribe in Africa. They would know who he was. Every single American knows Donald Trump. People could draw a a picture of Trump on an etch-a-sketch from memory. There's no reason to mugshot him other than to humiliate him. Obviously, didn't work. The second goal is to try and humiliate and demoralize you. Will that work? They won't stop anytime soon. If this doesn't work, don't worry. They'll keep trying. I always wondered how back in the day, countries would exile people, like Napoleon. They would exile people off to a deserted island. I always wondered how the French could cut off the heads of 17,000 people during the French Revolution. Could you imagine cutting off the heads of 17,000 people? But that wasn't that long ago. We're the same people. Look at all the political violence in world history. We're no different today. This is a picture of the execution of the French King Louis XVI in 1793. Are we very different from them? Has human nature changed that much? How they wish... They could do that again. Coming up next, we're going to talk to the great Bill Jacobson and we will break down first the 14th Amendment Clause 3 argument, their, their Hail Mary uh, there, but also these four indictments. We'll break them down in groups and get the detail, the legal details that you need to know to, again, be the smartest person you know on this issue. It's coming up next the Trump trials, right here on the first TV.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: The 14th Amendment, Section 3, is pretty clear. If you engage in acts of insurrection or rebellion against the government, or you give aid and comfort to those who do, you are disqualified from running. It doesn't require that you be convicted of insurrection. Uh, It just requires that uh, you have engaged in these acts. It's a disqualification from holding office again, Uh, and it fits Donald Trump to a T. I think this will be tested when a Secretary of State either refuses to put him on the ballot or puts him on the ballot and is challenged by a litigant. Um, I would imagine it will go up to the Supreme Court, and that's the big question mark through all of this, which is, what will the Supreme Court do? But I do think Uh, It is a very legitimate issue by the clear terms of the 14th Amendment. He should be disqualified from holding office.
3: Oh, this is great. Okay, let's talk about this first. We'll talk about the 14th Amendment Clause 3, which was founded, which was after the Civil War about Confederate generals. Uh, And then we'll go one by one through all the groups of uh, indictments and make sense of all this. There's no one better to do this with than William Jacobson. He's the founder of the website Legal Insurrection. Please check that website out often. It is a fantastic website. And he's a law professor at Cornell University. Professor Jacobson, how are you, sir?
5: Good. Thanks for having me on.
3: Let's do that first. Let's do 14th Amendment. Clause 3 says that if someone swears an oath of allegiance to the Constitution and then leads an insurrection or rebellion, they're not able to uh, hold office again. What do we need to know about the context of that and the application here with Donald Trump?
5: Well, that was a post-Civil War provision. It's meant to deal with the Confederacy and the you know, uh, actual civil war and rebellion against, against the government and violent war, obviously. Hundreds of thousands of people died. And so that's what it was meant to do. And it also gave the Congress and a way, and the you know, legislatures a way to relieve people of that. And I believe many, if not most, were. So they could, you know, participate. But uh, that's what it was. It was post-civil war. It was post the insurrection against the United States. It's unclear whether it would apply to the sort of things we're talking about now, which is contesting an election. So there was no, you know, armed struggle. There was no revol- armed revolt against the government. You know, other than Ashley Babbitt, no one was killed in the January 6th riot. And the very interesting thing is, well. Trump has been indicted many times. He's never been indicted for the January 6th riot. And that's something that people overlook. So to the extent Mm. the January 6th riot could be construed as some sort of insurrection, he's actually not been indicted for that. Uh, And then the question becomes lacking an indictment, lacking criminal charges, lacking any judicial finding, lacking a legislative finding that he engaged in insurrection can a secretary of state or other more local state official just choose to keep them off the ballot? And I think that's something the court's going to have to determine. But if we do get to that point, we're talking about complete mayhem in our electoral system.
3: Absolutely. So the legal scholars who threw this out originally, their argument was that, yes, of course, this was originally intended for post-Confederate you know, generals order, but it was written vague enough to apply for future generations. Do you agree with that point?
5: Well, I think the question is, was it written so vaguely that it could be applied in a situation like this, which is an election contest where someone's disputing an election? This has certainly never been applied that I'm aware of in this context before. We have had Democrats who've objected. We've had Democrats who objected to certification of electors. We've had Democrats who have presented alternative elector states Uh, slates, I should say. Uh, So whether it's vague or not, it's never been applied in this way. And also, again, he's not been charged with the January 6th riot, but we've had riots at the Capitol before. We've had disruptions at the Capitol. We've had disruptions of official congressional proceedings by protesters, sometimes very aggressively. We saw that with the Brett Kavanaugh hearings where protesters disrupted the hearings and tried to prevent them from taking place and took over the building. And nobody was charged with insurrection for those. So the question a court's going to have to grapple with, if a state official keeps him off the ballot on that like <coughs> own initiative, is does this apply anymore? Does it apply outside of the Confederate generals context? And has it ever, was it ever intended to apply to this sort of common electoral dispute?
3: Yeah, that last question is the most important. I think I think they, those guys wrote it knowing that something like a civil war could happen again, so this would, again, be relevant. But the, the problem here is this clearly wasn't an insurrection, <laughs> which is what the Constitution Amendment says. It has to be an insurrection in January 6th, and nothing of it uh, was. The last point on this, and then we'll move to the groups of indictments. Uh, the point they keep making, these guys, is that this is self-executing, which is fascinating. They're like, oh, he doesn't need to be convicted, Professor. He doesn't need to be convicted in the court of law. He doesn't need to be convicted in the Senate. It's just poof. It's just done. It's just known, done deal. That's very interesting. I've never heard of something like that before.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen
3: the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps)
5: Yeah, well, I mean, the Constitution in a sense, in many ways is self-executing. It's only when your rights are denied that you have to take affirmative steps like going to court to enforce them. So uh, we expect that the government will not restrict our speech. And when the government does it, then we have to go seek to remove that barrier. But think about what they mean in this context. You could have a hundred, you could have a thousand, local officials taking it on their own initiative to keep people off the ballot based on their own determination of what constitutes an insurrection. Would a Secretary of State in a Republican-run state have the ability to say, well, Joe Biden opening up our border to foreigners, including people bringing fentanyl across the border and killing thousands of Americans, I consider that to be an insurrection against our rule of law and against our immigration laws. Can a Republican do that to Joe Biden? I don't think anybody is advocating for that, but I don't think the Democrats would like that. So what they're Hmm. saying is in the absence of some judicial or legislative finding that somebody has engaged in insurrection, it's a free-for-all. It's whoever can get away with whatever they can get away with. And I don't think that's yep. what the framers of the Constitution intended by this provision.
3: No, no, it's crazy. OK, let's go through the indictments real quick, Professor. Let's start with uh, we'll go chronological order. So the first one was Stormy Daniels Hush Money Payments in New York City. What do we need to know about this? What's the important legal theory or, or legal point to make here?
5: Sure. It, first of all, it's a bookkeeping entry violation. It's not the act of paying her money is not alleged to in and of itself be criminal. It's how they recorded it on the books and records. And normally that would be a misdemeanor charge and the statute of limitations had, if it would ever be charged at all. I mean, I don't know. Do do they really charge for for those people, for those criminally, for that sort of thing, Uh, you know, where you pay somebody off and you record it one way and it should have been recorded another way. I, I don't think that's a common charge, but if it were, it would be a misdemeanor under New York law. And what they did is they came up with a very novel theory, because under New York law, if the bookkeeping entry uh, is done criminally in order to hide some other crime, then it can become a felony. So they've come up with a novel theory, which has been roundly criticized, that this was somehow uh, facilitating an election law, a federal election law violation which he's never been charged with. So they came up with this novel theory to turn a misdemeanor into a felony so they could try to get around the statute of limitations. I don't think there's anybody who thinks that's a serious charge. I mean, it's serious in the sense that he can get convicted, but I think the likelihood it would hold up on appeal is small. It should never get to trial because it's untimely and it's
3: a novel theory, which has never been accepted anywhere. So, New okay. York, so I'm gonna show you this right. So the, the paying of hush money, hush money, right, very bad sounding, not illegal, covering Nothing it up in your every books. Every day
5: lawsuits around the country, you pay
3: somebody, sure. to settle, and they sign a non-disclosure agreement. Okay. So fudging it in the books, like entering it as legal retainer and not hush money for porn star, that may be, may be misdemeanor, but it's a felony because- that payment, they say, benefited his campaign and was not disclosed as a campaign expense. So because the bookkeeping cover-up cover up a different federal crime, this, this uh, election campaigning, therefore, that's now a felony in New York City. Is that right?
5: That's basically right. And you know, what they're missing is the campaign didn't pay that money, okay? That's the problem. Uh, This was, you know, there have been other people who were charged. I think maybe John Edwards, this was part of the charges against him that got thrown out eventually because that's Uh, not really a legal violation. So I don't think I've heard anybody left or right or center who is saying that what is happening in Manhattan is legitimate. I should say nobody serious is saying that. There are, of course, political people who will say anything, but I don't think any lawyers are seriously saying what Alvin Bragg is doing is legally appropriate.
3: Wow, very interesting. Okay, let's move to number two. Uh, Mar-a-Lago classified documents in Florida. What do we need to know about that legally?
5: I've always said that's the most direct threat to him legally, because it's a relatively simple case. Unlike Alvin Bragg, who's created this cockamamie legal theory to try to get to Trump, there's no cockamamie legal theories there. Donald Trump was either legally entitled to have those documents or he wasn't. A court will determine that. That's a legal matter, not a factual matter. He's either entitled or he's not. Most people say he was not entitled to take anything he wanted when he left the presidency. There are some people who say he's the president, he can take anything he wants and the second he leaves office with it, it's declassified. I don't think that's gonna hold up, but that's a legal matter. The courts will decide that. There's, There's nothing complicated, the factual things there. Not complicated. He had the documents. That's going to be easily proven. But then there's the obstruction of justice, which is a little bit more complicated factually, but is not really complicated legally. The obstruction of justice is allegedly two things. One, the moving of boxes to hide documents from his own attorneys who were complying with the subpoena for records, and that he arranged for boxes to be moved so the attorneys wouldn't be able to go through them and presumably the allegation is that in those boxes were responsive documents they'll have to prove that so it's factually interesting but legally not complicated the other part which i think is a very big threat to him is the claim that which was added in a superseding indictment that he not only moved boxes, but he instructed employees at Mar-a-Lago to try to delete videotape surveillance video that was under subpoena. And again, right. factually they'll have to prove it, but legally it's not very complicated. So I think the documents case in Florida is the clearest risk to him, assuming the feds can prove the facts of what happened.
3: Yes, and does that go to a jury in Florida? Um, I
5: I normally would. Yes. Uh, I assume he's, you know, upholding his right to a jury. Uh, He hasn't waived that. So I assume it's going to go to a jury in Florida. It's federal court. It's going to be drawn from, I believe, a district that's relatively favorable to Trump. So, you know, his bet, bet, best bet in Florida probably is what's commonly referred to as jury nullification that he gets some Trump supporters, on there. Of course, the prosecution will be questioning jurors as to their political support for him, but that could be an issue. But even if you get jury nullification, unless you get all the jurors to agree it's not guilty, that just means you have a second trial and a third trial and a fourth trial. So while he may have a little bit favorable in getting a hung jury there with jury nullification, It's not ultimately going to get him off unless the entire jury were to agree to that. So I think Florida is a big threat to him.
3: Okay, so that's interesting. So let's, um, how many, 12 people on the jury? Yes. Okay, so 12 people. So to be guilty or not guilty, it's got to be unanimous in either side? Right. Wow. So anything other than that, one Trump holdout, or the other way around, hung jury, and they keep doing the trial over and over?
4: wherever you download your favorite podcasts.
5: Yeah, well, assuming the prosecution wants to, and I have no doubt they would want to here, but yes, when
3: you get a hung jury, Whoa. you have a second trial. Wow, that seems inefficient, <laughs> if nothing else. Okay, very interesting. So th- that's interesting that the you, what you would think is maybe the most clear cut, maybe diff- most difficult for him, uh, is also the only one that would be in a jury pool that is most favorable to him too. So that's an interesting balance. Okay, let's jump to the third one. So the third one chronologically would be January sixth. So you mentioned earlier that he's not charged for anything for the for the riot or insurrection of January sixth. What is he charged with?
5: Yeah. So in uh, D.C., he is charged with conspiracy to commit essentially electoral fraud to deceive. Uh, people, including um, members of, uh, including Mike Pence and others, into thinking that he actually had electoral votes that he didn't have through these quote-unquote fake electors. It's also alleging that he deceived and lied to people in order to convince them to take official actions that would facilitate him. Uh, But he is not charged with inciting the January 6th riot. Those criminal conspiracy charges are essentially the heart of the case. He's also charged with violating a law or attempting to violate a law which protects voting rights. Again, a post-Civil War law meant to protect um, freed slaves from having their voting rights interfered with is now being applied in this context, saying that by trying to deceive people and lying about the electoral count and the electors, and um, that he, you know, vi- he attempted to violate the voting rights of, of citizens. So that's what the case is. But again, people forget it's not actually they have not charged him with inciting violence at the Capitol. It's mentioned in the complaint, but it's not one of the charges. And I think that's what's astounding is that. The, the actual interference with the electoral count was the riot. That actually did postpone things, didn't stop it, but that was an interference. All the things Trump's accused of in the complaint, in the indictment, never actually succeeded in interfering with anything. Were, these are all attempts to interfere with things. Um, so you have this odd situation. The reason we're all talking about this and the reason it's been an issue now for approaching three years is because of the riot interfering with the electoral count. And that's the one thing he's actually not charged with. And that I wow. think is, is, may not be a legal problem. He's either guilty of these other charges or he's not, but it's very peculiar that we're charging somebody because we're not charging somebody with the thing that actually interfered with the election count. We're charging him with all his failed attempts And didn't actually interfere with the
3: count. Peculiar indeed. Uh, We're gonna save the last one for our next guest coming up, William Jacobson, founder of the website Legal Insurrection. Please go check out the website often. He's a Cornell University law professor as well. Professor, thank you for your insight, sir.
5: Great. Thank you. Take care.
3: Very grateful. Coming up next, one of Donald Trump's lawyers will be here. We'll talk about that fourth case. Again, I think the one that's most ridiculous, the fourth one about Georgia. And how much is this going to cost the president? And can he even pull it off? All right? The, the other side, they get two and a half years to compile evidence to make the charges, and they're only giving them a couple months to defend themselves. We'll get all that latest with Donald Trump's lawyer next. <laughs> are serious about trying to put you in prison,
2: can I ask, will you and can you run a campaign from a jail cell?
1: Well, I don't think that's ever happening. We have a great case. Uh, Every case is a scam.
3: Well, they will not stop trying until they put him in jail. There's no question about that. That is their ultimate goal, if not worse. Jesse Benal is here. He's an attorney for Donald Trump. Jesse, how are you, sir? I'm good.
4: Thanks so much for having me today.
3: Can you give us some insight into just how deeply, how profoundly the left indeed wants him in jail?
4: Yeah, they are absolutely terrified of the idea of Donald Trump being president of the United States again. And uh, and it's quite frankly, it's understandable why. Donald Trump is the first president. Uh, in decades, if not you know, over a century, that has truly stood up to the bureaucrats in Washington, DC. Um, the bureaucrats that when Republicans uh, and Democrats both come and go, it's these bureaucrats that stay here and run the government. And quite honestly, they run the government from a, a hard left vantage uh, point most of the time. And they know that Donald Trump will continue to, uh, to uh, step up to them. They know also that the American people are, are hungry for Donald Trump's return to the White House to fight for them again. They, they don't think that they can beat him at the ballot box. So instead they are limited to trying to beat him in these uh, trumped up charges in, in these courtrooms instead. Um, it's one of the most dangerous things that we've seen in the history of our Republic. And it's why it just shows us um, uh, these fights are, are so incredibly important
3: but they, they they could, right? This is, this is what's crazy about this. So let's, we, we talked with Professor Jacobson about the first three uh, groups of indictments. Let's talk about the Georgia one. Yeah. So we have these RICO charges, which Alan Dershowitz has said are the easiest to, uh, get, to get someone on, right? The easiest to convict, but also the easiest to overturn. But Professor Jacobson was saying that if they can convict Trump in Fulton County, Georgia, that went, I think it was 75% Biden, something like that, plus or minus a little bit, so if they can convict him and he will ask for an appeal, you know more than me, you're the lawyer, but ask for an appeal, they could put him in jail until the appeal is allowed to come back around. And would you put it past these people to do such a thing?
4: No, I think that's exactly what they want. They want to put Donald Trump in jail for the rest of, of his life. Um, because, you know, A, their, their hatred for him is, is that much, and, and B, um, he's the one that's the, the biggest threat to, to them and, and their agenda. So that's going to be what they're going to try to do. Um, there are so many legal problems with these cases. And in Georgia, I, I think Georgia is the weakest of all the cases, um, because RICO is something that was made, uh, put together for, for mob bosses um, and, and mafia type organizations. Uh, What it wasn't meant for is a way to go after your political opponents who were engaging in First Amendment activities. And so to to break that down, if you look at um, all the overt acts that Fannie Willis uh, alleges in her indictments they all boil down to First Amendment protected activity. And that's not just the right that uh, we know all so well in this country, Uh, the right of freedom of speech or uh, the right of freedom of assembly. Uh, Most Americans know something about those. Um, One of the lesser known rights is the, the right to petition your government for redress of grievances. Um, an incredibly Im- important right. Matter of fact, it's so important that not only did the founders put it in the First Amendment, they also talked about it in the Declaration of Independence for one of the reasons that we were breaking off from Great Britain. And what that right says is that uh, effectively, whenever there's a government actor that's going to do something that has some sort of discretion to do something, you always can go to that government official, you know, yourself with uh, other people that are like-minded and say, um, I don't want you to do X, I want you to do Y instead. Um, and that could be uh, for a Secretary of State, for instance, uh, Raffensperger in Georgia, it could be Congress, it could be any number of different government officials that you always have that right to petition the government for redress of grievances.
3: That's a really good point. I remember, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to much of these indictments before they were indictments, right? Just. Uh, there's too much going on, I couldn't follow the potentialities of everything. But when this one came down, or just before this one in Georgia came down, I was like, you know, I'm gonna read up on this and catch up. And there was all this talk about this phone call, this phone call that Donald Trump had with the Secretary of State and these other Georgia officials. And I was reading about it, I was like, man, you know what would be great is if we could hear the phone call. What a bummer that we can't actually hear the phone call. Sure enough, the whole phone call is on YouTube. You can watch You can listen to the entire hour long phone call, which of course I did. And there is not a single threat in there. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse, but this would be very different if Donald Trump said, hey, Brad, go like fraudulently create 11,000 votes. And if you don't, then I will X. I believe that would be a very different situation, Jesse. Would that be right?
4: Yeah, it, it could be, that's, that's right. At that point, it, it could be, but that's obviously not what he's doing. And to anyone who actually listens to the phone call, um, you'll see why President Trump calls it time and time again, a perfect phone call. Um, and that is, what he's talking about is all the allegations in Georgia, allegations that we've heard a lot about in 2020, that we've heard a lot about since then, uh, things like uh, 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 mules uh, acting as uh, as, as ballot movers, ballot harvesters, um, and many other uh, different um, allegations as well um, that, that numbered in the hundreds of thousands of, of irregularities and potential fraud incidents that we saw in Georgia. And so what President Trump is very clearly saying is, you don't have to go and show 200,000 or 300,000 instances of fraud. The margin this election is a little over 11,000. You just have to find the 11,000 instances of irregularities or or fraud to return this election to its its, uh, rightful victor. Um, And President Trump clearly believed then and believed today um, that he won Georgia. And that's what he was asking uh, of uh, Secretary of State Raffensperger to do, and that's what he absolutely positively had a First Amendment right to do, both under speech and the, the petition for redress of grievances clause.
3: Yes, the redress of grievances, that's very interesting. So why do you think uh, Fannie Willis, the DA, put this in under a RICO statute, right? So we got mug shots, which make it a show trial. She wants to have all 19, Mark Meadows will probably be able to get out and do it federally, but, but 18 people all at once, one one big giant trial. It's now allowed to be televised. What's the goal of all this? Well, the
4: uh, the American people know what the goal is. The the goal here is to defeat uh, Donald Trump in twenty twenty four through lawfare instead of through through normal politics. And um, I, I, almost all the American people, um, you know, in, in polls, well over a majority of people know that these indictments are about the twenty twenty four election. And she thinks that she can turn this into a, a show trial. Um, that her prosecutors are, are going to uh, come off in, in such a way that they can you know, destroy uh, Donald Trump's chances of, of winning uh, re-election. Um, and I think, quite honestly, that's just a, a not going to be the way that it goes. Um, we've already seen the rallying to, to President Trump that happened after the, the mugshot, after, you know, the American people got to see uh, the grit and determination of, of this man um, who is absolutely not going to let these, these prosecutors distract him or, uh, or affect this election. He is 100% focused on returning to the White House right now. Um, and uh, that determination, I, I think, is going to, quite honestly, it's going to blow up in their face. Uh, because they don't understand the, the the man in the movement that they've decided uh, to try to to prosecute in the most un-American way that we've ever seen in um, in American history for for the use of our judicial system.
3: Yep. So blinded by their hatred, they don't see how this helps Trump, but they also don't see the destruction they're causing to our country uh, yeah, he, beyond Trump. Just go Trump
4: is is stronger right now um, than he was at any point in the
3: 2020 election cycle.
4: Um, and so it's, I, I really truly believe this is going to blow up in their faces.
3: Jesse Banal, attorney for Donald Trump. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate you, Jesse. Coming up next, when these don't work, what will they do next? I'll tell you. Mike Slater, First TV, spread the word. Hey, thanks for being here for our special today about the Trump trials. Hopefully you now know more than you did before and probably you'll know more than most people on TV. That's for sure. I think the most important thing to understand from now moving forward is they will not stop. Never forget what they did to Trump during his presidency. They could have had a very normal time, right? Trump, they could have made a lot of deals with Trump. There's a lot of, there's some Trump policies like with trade stuff that's like, was always kind of like a pretty democratic thing. Like Trump's like pro-gay rights stuff. Like there's some stuff they could have done and it could have been a very normal time in our life and in our country, but they refuse to allow that. They only want to destroy him. And not only during those four years, that's not enough. They have to destroy his legacy and they have to salt the earth behind him. They will not stop until he's in jail. He was asked what he would do if they put him in jail. Here's where he said.
2: "If, If going forward, right, you
1: get these indictments, There ends up, you got a jury in D.C., you get convicted and sentenced. Does that stop your campaign for president, if you're sentenced? Uh, Not not at all. Uh, There's nothing in the Constitution to say that it could, and not at all. And uh, even the radical left crazies are saying, no, that wouldn't stop. Uh, And it wouldn't stop me either. These people are sick. What they're doing is absolutely horrible.
3: Yeah. So there's three things you need in order to run for president. You have to be 35 years old. You have to be born in the United States. and You have to have lived here for the last, I believe it's eight years. Trump fulfills all those. End of story. Now you're thinking, oh, I'm sorry. You say that the left wants to destroy Donald Trump and everything he's ever done, et cetera, et cetera. How is that different than what Rush Limbaugh did with Barack Obama? Do you remember Rush Limbaugh got a ton of heat in 2018, 2008 when he said he hopes Obama fails? Do you remember that? How could you hope our president fails? Oh, you're such a terrible person. What he said was that he hopes Obama fails in his plan of fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Rush hoped that Obama failed in his policies because he knew that America's, excuse me, he knew that Obama's political success was bad for this country. that's, that's what Rush Limbaugh wanted to see. Fail. The left today wanted and continues to want to see Trump fail personally. They want his personal failure. Policy was irrelevant. I'll give you an example. If Barack Obama said, I want the government to take over healthcare, Rush Limbaugh would have said, I hope you fail. <laughs> I hope you fail in that effort. I don't want you to, for the government to take over. Healthcare. But if Obama turned around and said, you know what? I, want, I changed my mind. I want a free market in healthcare. And I want these couple of these conservative policies, and I think this will help our country then Rush Limbaugh would have said, wow, Oh, all right, pretty good. That's great. That's awesome. Wonderful. Let's let's do that together. That's Obama. If Trump said, I want to build a wall, the left would say, oh, you're Hitler. You're the worst person in the world. If Trump turned around and said, you know what? Maybe the wall's not the best idea. The left would say, oh, how could you not want to build the wall? You're a monster. You don't want to stop human trafficking. Trump's in favor of child sex trafficking. It's everything he does no matter what. Just look at COVID. COVID was all the proof he needed. At first, Trump was like, hey, there's this kind of like big virus over there. We should maybe look out the Oh, how dare you? Everyone come to Chinatown. Don't be racist. Don't be a xenophobe. And then Trump was like, you know what? This COVID thing's not a huge deal. Oh, lock it all down. It was opposite all the time, no matter what. Trump at one point said, you know, maybe this thing ivermectin is a good thing that could maybe help some people with COVID. Maybe we should look into that. We'll do some more research and see if this could be helpful because that'd be great if it did. And the left and the FDA came out and said, uh, don't, Take horse paste. They call ivermectin horse paste and horse dewormer and Trump's an idiot and don't you ever tell. Meanwhile, the guy who invented ivermectin won the Nobel Prize in 2015. Ivermectin is like one of the most used medicines of all time. And people, the media acted like it was a poison. So they don't just want the failure for policy. They want personal destruction. And they want to destroy his legacy, and they want to destroy you as well. And they won't stop. They will not stop. What we started the show off with, excuse me, the second segment with, was the 14th Amendment Clause 3. That immediate self-executing disqualification from even being on the ballot. That is the intellectual justification for violence. When people get violent, they will use that as the clause. Oh, Article uh, 14th Amendment, Clause 3, says he's not allowed to run for office. And we are going to make sure he's not allowed on the ballot. They will not stop until they get him in jail, or worse. Trump trials. Mike Slater, The First TV. Spread the word.